Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs, and it's great to have you with us. Let's begin today with something that's plaguing almost all of us right now, and that is this dismal economy under Joe Biden. Whether you own a house, have a 401k, investments, or go shopping at a grocery store, you're feeling the wrath of this puppet president's policies. The stock market having its worst year in five decades. Inflation hurting Americans of all ages and walks of life. And gas prices are tearing up family budgets. This is Joe Biden's economy. A new survey from the Bank of America finds 71% of workers now say their pay isn't keeping up with inflation. That's seven in 10 Americans. That number up from 58% just back in February. The same survey found 21% say they're tapping into their emergency savings to pay bills. 21% say they're working extra hours. Another 20% say they're looking for higher paying jobs. 6% say they've resorted to a 401k hardship withdrawal to make ends meet. And what does Joe Biden do? Well, he hires 87,000 IRS agents at a cost to the taxpayer of $80 billion. And he forgives half a trillion dollars in student loan debt. That's Joe Biden's economy. Biden's Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Wally Adeyamo, saying yesterday the administration is doing everything it can to combat inflation and a recession. He says that through Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, all three are going to help expand the productive capacity of the U.S. economy, which will mean that while we're bringing down inflation, we're also expanding supply in the economy. That will give us the ability to make sure we have sustainable growth as we come out of this high inflation period. I mean, the man doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's an economist. He has no business being in government or anywhere near policy. What world is he living in? And what has he and the Biden administration been doing these last almost two years to fix anything? And the number two in charge, Vice President Kamala Harris, no better. She's abroad in Korea this week where she touted the failures of the Biden administration, but stopped just short of taking any blame. Take a listen. So many of these issues were highlighted during the pandemic in terms of what we also know to be the fractures and the fissures in our system, in particular as it relates to the supply chain. Many of us talked about the weakness of the supply chain even before the pandemic. It was almost predictable, but the pandemic brought it to the fore in a very vivid and clear way, which is that we have to diversify our reliance on essential supplies. Japan, the United States, and the world. As I said, holding short of taking the blame for her administration's failures, it always seems easier blaming it on someone else. 
And here now is leading GOP pollster and strategist, John McLaughlin. John, great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. I'm looking now at the direction of the country in your most recent poll, 62% of the country saying we are headed in the wrong direction. Only 33% say in the right direction. That looks huge to me. Right, it's two to one in our favor, but actually the the wrong track has gone down from July from 73 to August to 67, now 62, because some Democrats are drinking the Kool-Aid and, and saying that things are improving. But uh, what was interesting, we threw in a new question this month where we asked, did they think this was Joe Biden's fault? If they said wrong track, if they said the country's on the wrong track. And 67% of the voters said it was his fault. Only 26% said no. But that was 26% is significant because even though 62% say the country's on the wrong track, among all voters, only 41% blame Biden. And what's relevant to us is that looking forward to the November election, Biden's job approval or disapproval, his disapproval was 60% in our polls in July. And again, these are a thousand likely voters, people who are telling us that we know they're voters, people who are telling us they're going to vote on November 8th for Congress. And it was 60% disapprove of Biden in July, 55 in August. And now it's down to 50 disapprove and 48 approve. So for us, you know, we were out of the field Thursday and Friday, the market went down over a thousand points broke the thirty thousand barrier, and went to um, and went to a, a bear market territory. And what was interesting to us is, even though Biden's job approval was getting better up until that point, and people weren't really blaming him, sixty-one percent had told us they thought the country was in recession, and that's the highest it's been since it was shut down during COVID. So that's not good. And then they said the economy was getting worse, not better, 63 to 33%. And the number one issue out there is absolutely the economy. And the Republic, and, and we had a, a, a question in there. My friend Larry Kudlow asked her, should we cut uh should we cut federal spending significantly in order to reduce inflation? And 71 to 13 old voters said yes. So the challenges were coming into September and now October in the final six weeks of the campaign is, are the Republicans going to do something to stop the Democrats from spending? Will they, will, will they pass the continuing resolution so the Democrats can keep spending? Will they raise the debt ceiling so they can keep adding to the debt and fuel inflation? I mean, are the Republicans going to do something about inflation, which is the top issue in the country? Because I tell you, one of the most significant thing to me is in the United States, you have 81% of the voters telling us they've been significantly impacted by inflation. And 43% of all Americans said they said they're having trouble making basic ends meet. So that's an amazing stat. I, I, I poll in European countries, it's not as bad. And they've been hit more by inflation. And now you're seeing their governments change. Sweden's gone to the right. Italy's gone to the right. Um, they think the sanctions in Europe are backfiring. And uh, in the United States here, we got six you, weeks to close this out. When you say sanctions in Europe, what, 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 are, you what are you talking about, sanctions? The sanctions on Russia. Oh, the sanctions on Russia. Okay. Because I, they, their inflation levels are worse. Ours is about 8 9%. Theirs is around 14 in a lot of these countries. 
We're talking about a major issue either way, because our inflation is understated as it's measured uh, in the consumer price index. Uh, the Europeans may be slightly overstated uh, as far as I'm concerned, but nonetheless, uh, both the United States and Europe are experiencing un unprecedented levels of inflation uh, at this juncture. We've we've seldom seen global inflation this uh prevalent this uh, this broad uh it's going to be hard to figure and i and when we look at the numbers you're showing us here the fact that they blame biden uh, for uh, uh something that they are all saying uh is of impacting them it seems like the numbers would be reflected in his disapproval ratings as well well the numbers aren't high enough and when you think about think about this the campaigns you're watching were six weeks to go uh, I'm an old man. I remember the 94 when we 94 campaigns where we took over Congress. At this point in time, we spent the summer morphing Democrats into Bill Clinton's face, into basically his failures or or every Democrat who was on the ballot. How many campaigns have you seen running ads attacking Joe Biden on the Republican side? They're starting to now, but they were giving her a free ride. And and if you've got 62% say the country's on the wrong track, and of the 62% who say it's on the wrong track, only 67 blame Biden, something's amiss here. The Republicans are not holding him accountable. They really need to go after him aggressively, and they certainly need, because if the top issue in the country is the economy and inflation, what you want to do, you, you, you want to basically at this point say it's his fault, drive up the number of Americans who believe this is his fault, drive up the wrong track. Because the other part is yeah. among the 8% who are undecided for Congress, and in this poll, 48% were voting Republican and 44% were voting Democrat generically for Congress. So the Republicans are ahead, but there's an 8% that's undecided. 74% say the country's on the wrong track among the undecided. 68% disapprove of Biden. And the interesting thing is, Two-thirds of those voters are pro-choice voters because the Democrats are playing abortion. And two-thirds are women, 67%. And their average age is 44. So they're kind of middle-aged or younger women who are undecided between inflation. You know, they go to the supermarket, they buy gas, they blame Biden. But on the other hand, uh, the Democrats are saying the Republicans want to ban abortion. So they've, they've, they've got a pause here with these voters. And the Republicans need to do something to say, no, inflation, uh, the price of food that you're paying at the groceries, your rent, your health care, your utility bills, we can fix that. And we can stop inflation right now if we stop the federal spending and we stop the federal debt from advancing. And uh, they, they need to fight it as, as toughly as the Democrats are fighting on abortion. Well, there, there are perhaps unintended consequences uh, in, in that direction, though, because if you're watching 71% of the population saying that they're having a direct impact, they're not going to be too eager and, and are having to struggle with uh, the consequences in their household budget. Uh, it, it's not the time, probably, to tell those people, the hell with you, we're not going to be spending any money, uh, any more money on you. I don't think that's an argument the Republicans could win. Uh, do you? I think they can win it because we're not spending this. <laughs> I'm talking about federal spending. Right. Uh, so am I. So so when the federal government spends money, 
I mean, think about how many people are not going to benefit from the $400 billion, according to the CBO, of loan forgiveness. Think about it. I've seen statistics where it's 87% are not going to benefit from that. But your taxes are going to go up and your and inflation is going to go up. I mean, you know, Biden has increased in, in you know, less than two years. He's increased federal spending $4 trillion. He's increased the national debt $10 trillion. You're, you're preaching to the choir, partner. I, 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 but my point being that if you have it as a, if, if, to use your word, generic uh, federal spending, it's probably a losing argument, it would seem to me, when you have people so uncertain of their futures, uncertain of their presence, uh, in point of fact, because of all of the policies that have gone haywire, the prices they have to pay at the grocery store, still at the gasoline pump, despite what Joe Biden says, there are no uh, no states that have gasoline below three dollars uh, nation. Right. So I, I mean, so I would just caution uh, on on the issue of federal spending generically. Uh, perhaps be very specific about just the way you said it. They're spending. Uh, well, they say 400. It could be closer to a trillion dollars in student mm-hmm. loan forgiveness, and none of that that money goes to the middle class, working men and women. Uh, and you'll be paying, by the way, for people who are affluent, making a hundred thousand dollars a year or more, or right. less. Excuse me, just under one hundred thousand. Uh, it's not a good argument for them, and I think, you should, as you say, they should hammer it. Uh, let's let's go to. So, what do you think of that? That's. Well, I think of that. There's other things too, like for example, their 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 inflation, so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is causing the market to go down and interest right. rates to go up. Um, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, you had 87,000 IRS agents. And last month we had the Americans oppose that, the 87,000 IRS agents, the 20 billion in increased taxes on the middle class. They opposed that uh, 50% to 37%. Good and Lord. That, yeah, so why aren't we, you know, going after that? Why are we allowing them to do that? So what does it say? What does it say about this country, John? When 50% of the people say it's okay to go out and double the size of the IRS, give the some gun-toting accountants a lot of company to go out there, and who are they going to go after? They're I not going to go after uh, the Fortune 500. They're going to go after the uh, the middle class in this country. Yeah, no, I think I think 50% disapproved. If I if I said that wrong, you know that's on me. But the only 37 approved, 50% disapproved. So. Well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Only 50 yeah. percent. Oh, I, right. I, I seriously, are you crazy? You know, uh, as a friend of mine uh, said today, you know, part of the problem with these elections is a good number of people are just stupid. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, they vote Democratic, I'm sure, but nonetheless, uh, it is. It, it's just mind-boggling that we've got people who think that way. Yeah, well, let's 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 have that argument drive the number higher, because when you when you think about it, eighty seven thousand IRS agents at a time when we can't hit military recruitment standards, they won't raise the pay, and they're telling active military to go on food stamps. They're not hiring new border patrol agents at a time when you know we have a crisis at the border, but they're going to hire eighty seven thousand IRS agents who will be extremely well paid with great benefits, and. You know, you'll have one. He'll be assigned to your business. There'll be one assigned to my business. And we'll have our own personal IRS agents, you know, shutting down small businesses around the country and mom and pop stores. And 
and it'd just be a you know, total disaster. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, and before you start negotiating, the special agent will probably put down his 38 revolver and say, <laughs> let's have a discussion about your taxes. Right. And, and, and you know, and I, first of all, I think we pay enough in taxes that I think my accountant gets a commission from the federal government. But uh, it's it's uh, I mean, I mean, they, it's it's just crazy that they're going to spend this kind of money, uh, you know, to get blood out of a stone. So, uh, uh, you know, but you're right. We've got to win that argument. We've got to press it. And we could drive, you know, right now in, in Congress, you have roughly, a, according to the Real Clear Politics website, you've got 110 congressional seats in play and 68 are Democrat seats and 42 are Republican seats. And if we have a 44 to 40 of uh, 48 Republican, 44 Democrat, we could push that over 50 and take 50 or 60 seats if we have a really good closing six weeks. And if we get very aggressive with the issues and the, and the, and the most important issue is absolutely inflation cost of living. And we shouldn't let the Democrats, you know, set the table with whatever issues that they uh, that they that that they think they you know can win on. It's just following, following on what you said earlier in connection to, to that. Uh, you remember James Carville won the presidency, mm -hmm. really, for Bill Clinton when he said, it's the economy, stupid. Right. Uh, and in 1994, that was thrown back in their face uh, in that uh, uh, midterm election. Uh, it, it is, to me, ridiculous that the Republicans uh, seem to uh, think about what we're really saying. We were, we're asking, you and I are asking the Republican Party to relearn a lesson that is three decades old. That, and when you start there, is a problem for the campaign. That makes me worry about that 50, 60 seat margin of, uh, you know, of votes uh, turning. Because I don't see them getting aggressive. I don't see them reaching to the middle class, the working man and woman in this country, the way uh, we, have, we saw, for example, in 2010. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and, and and we need it's there, but we need to be aggressive. And by the way, I had a I have a European client I was talking to yesterday who was saying they had watched the Reagan Carter debate from from 1980, and it was all about inflation. So even you can go farther back and say, remember Ronald Reagan? Where the, there you go again, Mr. President. And it was mostly that debate. Granted, there was you know Iran, there was the hostages, etc. But um, but it was when, you know, when Reagan pressed him on inflation, he was winning. So you could actually take, you know, Carville's slogan and say it's it's inflation, stupid. I mean, this is we can't afford it. We've got people that, you know, still the price of gas is too high. As you said, Biden says it's under three. Not yet. But he's releasing the strategic oil reserves, you know, before Election Day, trying to get down artificially. But it's still high. The price of food is going up, price of rent, healthcare, uh, utilities. In the northern states, you're going to have utility shock uh, with net price of natural gas going up, people trying to refill their oil tanks uh, for their home heating oil. I mean, it, it's it's something that the Republicans need to be out there and, and reminding people every day this is Biden's fault, and it can be fixed. And, and what's odd about this conversation, I think, John, is you and I are talking about politics, but in this case, politics is about governance. And it really is policy, it's governance, and it is values. 
And the Republicans don't seem to have the comprehension of what a powerful force that is if they unite those three elements and make it clear to the American voter what they stand for. Now, I know they've got this new agenda out, and, and that just gets my heart. I, I got to tell you, my heart skips a beat every time I think about it. And I see an article saying we've got a nice, aggressive agenda. Nonsense. Why is it there? I'm sorry. Go ahead. You got to pick a fight. They've got the commitment for it's a policy document. You got the policy document out there. It's the commitment for America. In 1994, the big fight was going to be whether we passed Hillary Care or not. And the Republicans stood up Hillary Care and said, no, we're not passing it. And we went after the Democrats for supporting it. And now you need the policy fight. You need, I mean, you, you, you need, I, I once worked for a governor of California who said, you know, you, you can't have a boring show. You, there's a hero and there's a villain. And you have to have a battle over what's good and what's right and, and versus what's wrong. And, uh, um, and, and right now, uh, the Republicans need to decide between now and Election Day when they want to fight. I hear some people in Washington saying it would be better to pass the continuing resolution after oh, yeah. November election. I'm like, well, conservatives are saying let's pass it with a freeze until January, February when we take over the Congress. That makes sense. But to pass it to defer until November, December and allow the Democrats to have, whether it's a lame duck or a full duck, Congress to increase spending again, huge mistake. I mean, we yeah. need that fight now so that we, we tell people we're the serious party, we're the adults in the room, we will stop inflation, we will we will make prices go down, whether it's oil or gas or food or uh, whatever basic necessities you need, we're going to help you. Well, the problem with that, of course, is you've got Kevin McCarthy as the, uh, I don't know if you would call him the uh, the speaker to be uh, the prospective or pretend speaker uh, in the House. And you've got uh, Colonel Foghorn running the Republican Senate. Uh, those are not animated, uh, energetic, original, uh, deep thinkers, are they? No, but you know what the big difference is? Donald Trump. And the insiders, you know, you could go to the Republican National Committee. You won't find pictures of Trump up and down the halls. They've hid them right. all there. But, 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 but Donald Trump out there, he would beat Biden in the same poll. He beats Biden 49-45. The Republicans, 71% of the Republican primary voters want to see him run again. If he does run again, they've got to vote for him 86 to 12. Uh, and in a field of a dozen candidates, he's he's up with the uh, fifty-five uh, percent of the vote, and the next closest DeSantis at eighteen. So Donald Trump, because in his rally in North Carolina last week, he took on Joe Biden on spending on inflation. Now he doesn't get much media coverage because they want to black that out. He's going into Michigan this week. He'll talk about it again. He'll talk about inflation, fighting high prices in a state where they used to be the auto manufacturing capital of the world, but try to get a car now under Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg. They tell you there's a chip shortage. We don't have cars. I mean, and and the ones that are out there, it's like Cuba, where you're trying to buy an old car uh, that you're paying an exorbitant price for for a used car because we don't have, you know, the the, the cars out there anymore. So inflation is, is going wild because of, you know, their incompetence in, on the supply chain. And so Donald Trump will take them on. 
And it's no wonder that Trump is leading Joe Biden in the polls, or at least in our polls, in the good polls. And, uh, and, and you know, you're looking at the Republicans for Congress and you're saying, well, a lot of these candidates uh, have Trump's endorsement following his lead, and they're willing to take on federal spending and federal debt. Well, as they as they must at some point, I, I truly believe that whether Democrat or Republican is going to happen. Uh, but this president, I think one of the things the Republican Party can't get its head around is that Joe Biden is a puppet. He He's not calling these shots. It is a Marxist dim cabal that is running the Democrat Party. It is setting the policy agenda. It is driving this president. He's forsaken Biden has forsaken every element of his previous career uh, to take on the role of puppet president uh, and enjoy his, uh, what is it, uh, 40% of his time uh, on holiday. <laughs> this is a, a moment of madness in our history. It is cognitive dissonance. It is a mass psychosis. It is a national nervous breakdown, and nobody wants to deal with that. And you said we need a, an adult, we need adults in the room. We need leaders who actually understand what's happening and what can be done. And honest to gosh, John, you mentioned Trump. There's just no one else out there, yeah. not in the Republican Party, certainly not in the Marxist Dem Party. No. And, and when you think about it, the scary part about Joe Biden, we kept on asking over the past year, do you think he needs to take a cognitive test to make it public? And, you know, right. I was always six out of 10 voters said yes. But. It hasn't changed. It's not getting worse. The difference is the corruption, because the corruption of the Biden administration is the real threat. Because when you think about, you know, now as we find out you see, in, in the right of center media, you're finding out stories that, OK, there was a deal where Hunter Biden was getting, you know, tens of millions from the Chinese. I mean, the secretary of state Blinken was the head of the was the head of the. Penn Center, the Biden Center at University of Pennsylvania. Well, right. the Chinese had given them tens of million dollars. He was on their payroll. So they don't stand up to the Chinese, the oligarchs in Russia. They don't stand up to the ones who had the Biden family on the payroll. And what's scary is our NATO allies are worried that if Russia comes over their borders, does Biden actually back them up? And yeah. Putin yeah. is not afraid of Joe Biden. Because they know more about Joe Biden than we do, is and certainly his corruption, and his family—it's like a family enterprise. When you say you go back to, he go he go back he goes back to Delaware every week. Well, that you know they put up a fence around it, you know, for a reason. But uh, you know, it's just it's just the corruption there and the and the one party state in Delaware where no, no laws are enforced if if your name is Biden and. Uh, that's the real threat we have right now. And hopefully, you know, that's the real, they'll go all out in the next six weeks to stop us because if the Republicans get the House and the Republicans get the Senate and they dive into that corruption, what they've done to the FBI, what they've done to, uh, uh, you know, the other other parts of law enforcement in our government, the Department of Justice, et cetera, you know, that's, that's where we really need to find out and get things put back on the straight and narrow. You know, it's, I guess what I'm getting at here, John, is why is the Republican leadership unable to coalesce around ubiquitous, toxic corruption within not only the FBI and the Department of Justice, but the Department of Education, uh, political corruption within the, the Pentagon? Uh, 
they can't coalesce around that and be the party of good. They cannot uh, express uh, noble values and uh, assert it. I, I want to fight everybody on uh, in, in the Marxist Dems. I, I want to fight them on economics. I want to fight them on truth, justice, and the American way. Right. But if the, if the American people don't see that in the Republican Party, the candidates they put forward, the leadership they're talking about, if you if I'm sitting here and I'm 25 years old and I'm watching Kevin McCarthy and I'm watching Mitch McConnell, I say, why the hell should I follow Colonel Foghorn and <laughs> Mr. Milk Toast? I mean, really? Well, I think it's going to come from the backbenchers. I mean, by the way, one senator who who is who is standing up is, is Chuck Grassley in Iowa. I mean, he's calling out, uh, you know, Ray and he's calling out Garland uh, on their corruption or they're allowing this corruption of what's going on in the FBI. And and they're going I mean, some courageous FBI whistleblowers are coming forward. The mainstream media is not covering it. But but Chuck Grassley standing up for those whistleblowers and he's going after Ray and Garland. And so what would you do if you wanted the American people to see these whistleblowers and hear what they've got to say? How about this, John? Mm -hmm. We put up, we put up Grassley and Ron Johnson, uh, and Jim Jordan and uh, James Comer, on either side of them. We silhouette all of them and we synthesize their voices and we start talking and we roll it. Yeah. And take them to rallies, take them every whatever the hell it takes, but don't accept just lying flat on your stomach, trembling in fear of a Marxist dim takeover of the U.S. government and stripping us of our, everything that this country uh, has built. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes no sense. Oh, but, but what you're talking about makes sense because you got to be that aggressive. I mean, I'm working, it'll be the long shot candidates that come through or the perceived long shots that aren't that really. I'm working for Lee Zeldin in New York for governor. And he's within single digits of Kathy Hochul because of her stand on crime and cashless bail. And, but her corruption, it came out and it's not from the stories in New York now are not no longer because she won't debate. They're no longer from just the New York Post and the uh, and the right of center media. You now have the time, Albany Times Union. You have other outlets in New York saying she did a deal where she took over three hundred thousand dollars in campaign contributions and gave out a no bid uh, yeah. contract for covid tests for six hundred and thirty seven million dollars. And it was double the price what California and other states were paying. And it was and the kind that kind of corruption, whether it's the billion dollars for the 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 Buffalo Bills stadium that the New York taxpayers are going to have to pay. That's going to benefit some corrupt donors to her to her campaign or the Penn Station deal in lower Manhattan or even the congestion pricing deal where you're going to pay just for the privilege of driving a truck or a car into Manhattan, depending on the time of day, you're going to pay. 23 to $34 uh, per trip on a toll uh, that, you know. Can I ask you a question yeah. on that? Why don't the Republicans take that angst that is built in there? Those price hikes, those uh, raising the cost of living even, even further. Why don't they take that and say, you know, maybe we ought to rethink, take a look at uh, around the country and where the support of the Republican Party is and say, what do you think? Maybe we should be trying to focus on the suburban voter. Maybe we should be talking about reducing the centralized power of the Democrats in all of these urban centers and talking about mobility, 
of people who have been screwed for decades in this country. And I'm talking about inner city minorities. I'm talking about uh, Hispanics, blacks, uh, you name it. And let's and let's create a new paradigm here because it's also ecologically nonsensical to have those big urban centers because they generate tons of heat that no one wants to talk about. They have all of these opportunities in front of them and they're brain dead. They're brain dead, John. Well, you're talking about the Zeldin campaign because I'm doing Lee's polling, full disclosure, but Lee Zeldin is doing exactly what you said where he's getting, since Labor Day, Kathy Hochul's attacked him with $8 million of ads, attacking him as a Trump supporter and too extreme on abortion. But Zeldin's coming back after cashless bail, congestion pricing, and now you have super PACs. People are fed up in New York where they're spending millions of dollars getting our, our side, our point of view on cashless bail, keeping criminals in jail, getting at our point of view about the economy around the state and the higher taxes, plus the con uh, going against the congestion pricing. So it, it's coming from the grassroots, and, it, and it's the same in local congressional races around the country and in Senate races where the backbenchers, if this revolution happens on November 8th, where the, the heartland of the country rises up again and throws the swamp out, um, it'll be it'll be an earthquake that'll make Italy seem like a little tremor compared to what's going to go on in the United States. But we got six weeks to make it happen. Six weeks to make it happen. Will it happen? It, it, I believe it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen because the, it's it, the pressure is too extreme right now. It's 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 building up, and we're bound. You know, we have to do this right now to save the country, and we have to do this to save our states like New York and other places we all can't move to florida or montana so right. we have to you know we got we got to keep those states you know good and you know god bless the people in florida right now they're going to go through another hurricane but uh hopefully uh they'll come through it just fine uh by the way you said i was talking about lee zeldin's campaign i i know what you meant uh, metaphorically but i wasn't speaking of lee zeldin i happen to think highly of him i respect him greatly i would pay uh couple of dollars to see him slam a desk one time just slam a desk lee just <laughs> slam the damn desk when you hear this nonsense and here's a man who's had a you know he stood on a stage with great courage and calm and handled an attacker uh and couldn't yes. get a mention in the new york times for god's <laughs> sake uh he's the kind of man we want in office the kind of uh, brave leader we want in office man or woman uh so uh, let me ask you to give us your your view on the leadership of the Republican Party uh, and the leadership of the Democratic Party. How important are they to what happens in the next six weeks? Well, I think, by the way, you're seeing like Nancy Pelosi. She spoke at some con conference or concert. She appeared at some conference, got booed. And right. Because Pelosi the, glo the global citizens booed her. <laughs> That's a bad. She has a. Among the voters in the United States, she's a 38 favorable, 55 unfavorable. So uh, she'll be in a lot more Republican ads than she will be in Democrat ads. But uh, uh, but for the and Chuck Schumer's not popular. And, you know, you just you, you know, if, if he was in more of the Republican ads uh, for the Senate, I think I think that would be good for our candidates. And so I, I, I think that the Democrat leadership is a liability. The Republican leadership, they're going to learn from the grassroots. The grassroots are going to rise up and they're going to make changes. And you mentioned a whole bunch of good Republican leaders that 
you know, whether it's Jim Jordan in the House, whether it's uh, whether it's a, uh, you know, you talk Rick Scott in the Senate, et cetera, you know, they're they're listening to the grassroots and they're and they're going to they're going to press the issues and, and press the uh, offense against the Democrats. So uh, and the Democrats will go all out to try to stop us, you know, wait for the Justice Department to try and try to change election laws again. So we'll we'll see. But we've got six weeks to fight them. And in that six weeks, we know that the back office in the West Wing will be having a, be doing a lot of work, Susan Rice, uh, and trying to mobilize the get out the vote campaign using federal money, federal resources, federal manpower. Why can't the Republicans stop that? Um, well, it's, it's it's I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer that I can get injunctions and get them to stop it. But uh, we should try. I mean, I, I don't know why they're, you know. The Republican National Committee should have filed a complaint against Zuckerberg after the last campaign that he was, you know, using C3's tax exempt money to get out partisan Democrat votes. But that hasn't happened and there hasn't been an FCC complaint on that. So if you and I were running things, Lou, it would be a little different. So <laughs> can, can we get on the ballot, John? Do you think Have we got six weeks of enough time? I don't think anybody would vote for me. They might for you. Well, hell, I, I, hell, I was counting on you. No. Uh, there's a reason I like doing the polling. <laughs> and there's a reason I like asking pollsters what's going on. Yeah. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate it. Lou, I appreciate the opportunity. God bless you. Thank you. John McLaughlin, a great pollster, even greater American. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Our guest tomorrow will be Congressman Troy Nels. Please join us. Till then, God bless you, and may God bless America.